you for visiting the Sanctuary Fellowship. We pray the following message will be encouraging to you. Listen in as we start taking away the layers of religion and discover the joys of a relationship with the Creator. Father, we thank you for your word. I thank you for your, your word, God, your anointed word. Father God, I thank you that your anointing breaks the yoke. I thank you, Lord God. I pray that you would just humble us right now to speak and to hear, Lord God, that we would hear from you, that you would touch us and change us and make us whole, Lord God, and set us on fire. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Anybody excited about the word of God? Yeah. Somebody say it's a beautiful thing. It is a beautiful thing. Amen. All right, I like to start with a quote because three things tell a man his eyes, his friends, and his favorite quotes. So here we go. We only accept the love we think we deserve. person next to you needed to hear that, just give them a... We only accept the love we think we deserve. Listen to this. Grace is the face that love wears when it meets imperfection. What? Grace is the face that love wears when it meets imperfection. God's love is not a pampering love, but a perfecting love. Amen. Two amens on that. That's good. Everybody else just wish it was a pampering love. Everybody else just wish God to say, oh, indito, all the time. No matter what stupid mess you got into, dito, just hug. No, God's love is a perfecting love. Amen? And here's one, one last one. God's delays are not his denials. Somebody needed to hear that today. God's delays are not his denials. <coughs> well, amen. We've been in a series going through the book of John in a series called Walk It Out. And, and I'm excited to see in, in so many families and so many lives how the word of God has just started to be able to be walked out in your lives. I see it in your friends. I see it in your friends' faces. I see it in your family's friends' friends and in your friends' family's faces as, as you start to bring them, as they start walking with you, and as things start to change. Anybody's, anybody's like life start to change lately? Anybody had their, their house kind of turned around lately in a good way? Come on. Last week in chapter 10, in the book of John, Jesus made it absolutely clear that there is no other way to heaven but through Him. We heard two of the great I Am statements that Jesus made, one being, I am the gate, I'm the door, and two being, I am the good shepherd. So we see that God is our shepherd. Amen. The Lord is our shepherd. When we surrender our lives to his care, he guides, he protects, he provides. We go in and go out and find pasture. Somebody say amen. It's not dependent on the economy or the market or the times. We go in and we come out and we find pasture because the Lord is a good shepherd. 
Now, family, if you want to keep doing things in your own strength, knock yourself out. Good luck with that. But if you've heard the call and He is to be your shepherd, three things I pray we came away with from the word last week was simply this. Number one, follow the shepherd closely. Those that stay on the outside are easy prey for the enemy. They're more likely to get lost, to get hurt. The further you are from the shepherd, the more likely you are to be distracted. And if you can be distracted, it is. That's my youth group 20 years later. No, 10 years later. I made myself too old. Number two, don't just follow close. But follow the shepherd. Now, now we learned last week, who's your shepherd? Is your pastor your shepherd? Is any other great spiritual leader your shepherd? No, the word says, I am the good shepherd. So Jesus is your shepherd. Follow the shepherd closely. Keep your eyes on the shepherd and, and you won't follow the crowd. Because when you take your eyes off the shepherd, you're just chasing tail. Remember? You will be distracted if all you chase is tail. You will be let off the path. You will find yourself lost. You will fall and no one will be around to help you get up. Follow close and keep your eyes on the shepherd. And three, you have to know the shepherd's voice. Amen? You got to know what he said in the past. You got to know the ways in which he speaks today. You got to read. You got to pray. You got you to understand. Too, too many of us keep a very poor diet. All we feed on is the candy of this world. The music, the movies, the, vi you know, the videos, the culture, we, the games, everything. We just feed on the culture of this world. Listen, God gave me a picture this Saturday morning. He said, spiritually speaking, we eat so much junk food that our spiritual teeth are full of cavities and decay and are slowly being knocked out so much that when it comes to being God to God's word we can no longer tear into the meat of the word we have to put it in a blender and drink it through a sippy cup The American church is buying chairs with sippy cup holders. Yeah, I thought it was kind of hard too. The body of Christ has eaten so much junk and done so much damage to themselves that we have spiritual diabetes, some living on hospital jello, wondering why they can't walk in power. You ever had a long stay in the hospital and all they feed you is that hospital jello? And, and you know, when it comes time to get up and go, you, you know, you're weak, right? You, there's no strength, right? You've been living on jello. And so I just got this picture, man, that the American church is living on jello, hospital jello. Don't even got no sugar in it. It's not even a good jello. It's the sugar-free, fat-free jello. It ain't even got no whipped cream. It, there's nothing to it. We're just living on just enough, uh, just IV religion, just enough to get by. Just enough to say we're spiritual, right? Just enough to say, oh, I go to church. I have a church. I know a pastor. So what? And, and you, you're laughing because you know, you, you meet people like that. 
what's your pastor's last name? I don't, I don't know him like that. You know, I don't go to church like that, right? I just know enough to be religious. We have no strength, family, because we're not eating right. And now, now listen, listen, this is good. I thank God that we don't have to work for our salvation. I just thank God that the grace has been given freely, that we could just receive it, we could have it like a gift, but grace is so much more than a get-out-of-hell card. See, your spirituality can be so much deeper than, hey, I'm just going to believe so that, you know, when I die, I go to the right place. Because I've seen movies, I don't want to go to hell. Right? Life, I mean, your spirituality can be so much deeper. To quote Gary, let me just tell you this. Grow up already. Amen? Grow up already. Your, your spirituality can be so much. Listen, that's a great place to start. Don't get me wrong. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That's a great place that I'm going to church. I don't want to get my butt to hell. Uh, that's good. That's a good place to start. But it's so anemic. It's so powerless. Amen? Where's the power in that? Jesus says, <laughs> the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that you might have life and have it to the fullest. While we're feeding on junk food all week, and then, and then getting a spiritual protein shake on Sunday, or, or maybe grabbing a spiritual breakfast bar every once in a while with a devotion at work or something, the enemy of our souls is knocking our teeth out. <laughs> He's knocking our teeth out because, see, he, the, the reason he wants toothless Christians is because without our teeth, we can't tear into the meat. So what he's doing, he's stealing our ability to tear into the meat. He's killing our appetite, our desire to go deeper and, and then and make it, you know, and, and our ability to go further. And then he's destroying our destinies. We're going to speak to some destiny today. Amen? Because you see, when the Lord is your shepherd... He's a lamp unto your feet. He's a light unto your path. He's your guide. He's your deliverer. He's your rock and your fortress. He's the lifter of your head. Somebody should be shouting. He's your shield and your sword. He's your joy and your strength. He's the Lord mighty in battle. He's the strength in your weakness. He's the shelter and your strong foundation. He's your hiding place in times of trouble. He's your redeemer, your righteousness, and your resurrection. And you just want to make it to heaven? There's an entire banqueting table set before you and you just want to settle for the salad. Oh, that's a whole nother message. Settling for the salad. That's good. Don't tell nobody you heard that. Anybody want some steak? Amen? Amen? Well, all right, come on. This week in chapter 11, we come across another I am statement from Christ. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. That's a bold statement, isn't it? I am the resurrection and the life. Chapter 11 starts like this. You can follow along in verse 1. It says, now a man named Lazarus was sick. 
He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. We need to hit pause right there. It's interesting to me that John mentions the story now, which happens in the next chapter, chapter 12. And so, so he's telling us now, chapter 12 tells us that after, you know, what we're reading in chapter 11, that Mary anoints Jesus' feet by pouring out expensive perfume on Jesus and wiping them with her hair. Now, let me give you a background for those of us that are not Hebrew. When guests arrived at your home, it was customary to, have, to either wash their feet, have a servant wash their feet, have something available to have their feet washed. You got to remember, back then, we didn't have concrete and asphalt, right? They're dirt roads. Everybody's in Jesus' chancletas, right? And so, so your feet from walking get really, really dirty. You know what I'm talking about? Anybody been to the park with their sandals? You come home and there's, you know, black lines and, you know, your feet get really dirty. So it was customary when guests come to your house to have their feet washed and to put a dab of oil or a dab of perfume on their foreheads. If we did that today, people think we're rude, right? Listen, before you come into my house, wash your feet and put perfume on. But that was customary. Where they washed their feet and they put a dab of perfume on there. Okay, so Mary did something radically extravagant though. She, she not only breaks an alabaster jar of perfume. It says a pint of perfume. I think this is, this is a little more than a pint. But like your regular water bottle is a pint. Can you imagine what a pint of perfume the side, I mean, that's a lot of, somebody say that's a lot of perfume. It better smell good. Otherwise, we're, right? But she breaks an entire bottle of perfume and pours it on his feet. And, and, then, and then she washes his feet with her hair. A little background also. Understand a Jewish woman must never let her hair down in public. Her hair is the glory of her head. That's only for, her wi for his wife. There's some, there's, some, there's some things we need to kind of check, you know, not the legalistic stuff, but there's some things that we got to, man, all that, you shouldn't be showing everybody all that, that's for, for me, right, in the, come on, don't make me bring up jeans and thongs and all that kind of stuff, let's not go there, but, but anyway, alright, so understand, a Jewish woman must never let her hair down in public, but here before all of these people, she lets her hair all down and going, she, she, she lets it down and she anoints Jesus with her hair. She goes beyond what is culturally acceptable. And the crowd disapproved. Come on, this is good. Did you get that? In her love for God, in her service for God, in her worship to God, she goes beyond what is culturally acceptable. Now, if the culture back then when Jesus walked the earth disapproved of extravagant displays of love for God, how much more do we have to counter the culture today? No, nobody lives in the Bronx today? 
The enemy has come to steal, kill, and destroy, and we have called it progress. We've called it tolerance. We've called it interfaith. Basura! There is going to come a time when you are going to have to step out of the norm, step out of the tolerated, step out of the acceptable, and do something radically extravagant for God. I'm glad there's three of you in here that believe that. Now, now we, we didn't even get to the story in chapter 11, but John can't seem to mention Mary without talking about what she did. And so that intrigued me. I said, we ain't even up to that story yet, but John can't talk about Mary without saying, you know, and, and you know, Mary came to the store. Mary, you know, Mary, the one who broke perfume on Jesus and anointed it with her feet. That Mary. That's not what I'm talking about, but, but that Mary. You know, he can't seem to talk about Mary without talking about what she did. So, you know, that, that it, it, it intrigued me. I wanted to then, to then go, let's go there, amen? Let's fast forward then and read what she did. Let's read the account. It's in John chapter 12. It says, six days before the Passover, that means Jesus was about to lay down his life and be crucified the same week. Six days before the Passover, Jesus arrived at Bethany where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here, a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took a pint of pure spikenard, an expensive perfume, and she poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance of her perfume. But one of the disciples, Judas, said, who was later to betray Jesus, objected. He says, why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? <coughs> that was funny. It was worth a year's wages. He didn't say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief and the keeper of the money bag, and he used to keep for himself what was put into it, the word says. But let me ask you, are we like Mary, extravagant in our love for Jesus, or are we like Judas, criticizing others who are? Look at how one of the other gospel writers saw it and wrote about it. In Mark 14, the story reads this way. While he was in Bethany, a woman came with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume made of pure nard. She broke the jar. She poured the perfume on his head. Some of those present were saying indignantly to one another, Why this waste of perfume? How could, it could have been sold for more than a year's wages and the money given to the poor. And they rebuked her harshly. Verse 6, look at this, I love this. Leave her alone, said Jesus. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing. The poor you will always have here with you, and you can help them at any time you want, but you will not always have me. Verse 8, she did what she could. She poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare for my burial. Verse 9, I tell you the truth, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done for me will also be told in memory of her. Somebody said, that's deep. 
But I love that short little line in Jesus' statement. He, he says, she did what she could. The message puts it this way. She did what she could when she could. And it was a beautiful thing, Jesus said. See, sometimes your devotion to God will be criticized. Anybody understand that? Anybody experience that? Anybody been talked about, laughed at, uh, gossiped on, shouted out, made to feel uncomfortable, made to feel like a lunatic, made to feel like you're crazy, been told you're brainwashed, been told you're crazy, been, been told they're messing with your head. Anybody, anybody been there? Sometimes your, 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 your worship will be criticized. Never let it stop you from doing what you could when you could. Somebody say amen. It's not enough to just do what you could. It's doing what you could when you could. Amen. When the world criticizes you, let Jesus say, leave him alone. See, I, I, I love it, man. It's like Jesus is my bully. The world try to bully you, but, but Jesus don't. I got a bodyguard. Amen. So, so when the world try to bully me because the world thinks it's bigger than me, because the world think it's stronger than me, because the world think Christians are weak and Christians are soft and Christians are, are a little wussies, a little wimps. And so when the world tries to bully me, the big man steps in, the shepherd steps in and says, leave him alone. You know, with a lot of reverb, leave him alone. He's doing what he could when he could. And it's a beautiful thing to me. Leave her alone. She's doing what you never did. Leave her alone. It's a beautiful thing to me. Leave him alone. Amen? It's a beautiful thing. See, we judge ourselves so harshly sometimes. We beat ourselves up, getting caught up on what we think God expects. But here, Jesus was blessed when a woman did what she could. Now don't, you know, don't misunderstand me like doing, when, when you think of like you will do what you could, it, it doesn't mean like give Jesus your scraps from your table. You know, don't pray, you know, you don't have to pray, just do what you could. See, we, we can twist this real easy, right? Well, you don't have to go to church all the week, every, every week, just do what you could. You don't have to pay tithes or nothing, just do, give what you could. Just, now, we're not saying nothing like that, I'm saying whenever you could do it, do it. That, that's, what, that's what Jesus says, do what you could when you could. Amen? Do you understand that we have an opportunity here in this country, in this place, to come and worship on Sunday morning? And the Word of God saying, do what you could when you could. There might come a time in our lifetimes where we can't do this. And you're going to wish that, that those Sundays you got here on time, that, that you pressed into the front, that you got everybody out your way, and that you got a sweatier mess than I, than I did. Amen? You're going to wish, man, I, I wish I didn't wait for my favorite song or wait for my type of music or wait for my, my favorite this or that or wait till they rock out or wait till they start rapping or wait till they do a Spanish corito. I wish, I wish from the second we hit a, we hit a beat, I wish from the, first, from the first symbol I was up at the front just worshiping. Amen? I wish I didn't have to wait to be motivated by performers. There's no performers here. This ain't a show. Amen? You, we need to do what we could when we could. Why? Because God is worth it. Because He's worthy. 
Not because these guys are any good, but because God is worthy. Because he deserves it. Because while where you were still sinners, he died for you. While you did not love him, he loved you. If that doesn't give you a reason to worship, don't come to church. Don't come here and pick up girls. Because I got guys that will bounce you out of here. Amen? We got guys in here with guns, man. We'll bounce you out of here. Don't come here to mess with our women. And I guess in today's society, I need to revert. Don't come here and get our guys. Because we got girls that will kick you right out of here too. Don't come up here and fake worship just so you can show yourself. We'll sit you right down. Hey, sister, with that dress, you need to worship sitting down, please. Amen? We just wish, you know, that we could do what you could when you could. We get the opportunity. Because, see, listen, listen. Worship changes things. I, I, I mean, I did a whole series. I wish everybody was here before. Worship changes things. Worship can change an atmosphere. Worship can change an attitude. The Word of God says that the house was filled with the fragrance of her perfume. The fragrance of her worship, what she did, the act, the house was filled. I want you to experience that in a real, in a real type of level. This is a $250 bottle of Gucci perfume. With every spray, I don't know how much money I'm throwing away. Tell me when you get the whiff. I don't want to make nobody allergic, but you know. Tell me when you get the whiff. I want you to experience how a little perfume, you smell it, you smell it? A little, don't worry, this is Tucci, our version of Gucci. It's not, come on. This cost me $2.99, come on. I don't play that. Look, it's Tucci. Don't worry about it. So I can waste it, don't worry about it, don't worry about it. My wife ain't getting mad at me or nothing like that. It only takes a small amount to fill the room. See, our, our worship is a fragrance to God. The fragrance of your worship fills the house. The fragrance of your devotion can fill the house. The fragrance of your prayers can fill the house. Listen, please hear this. If things aren't smelling right in your house, if things aren't smelling right at your job, if things aren't smelling right in your school, in your class, with your friends, or in your house, with your families, if things aren't smelling right in the hospital bed, do what you could when you could. Listen, listen. The world says, sells these little plugins now, right? And they have three fragrances. You know what I'm talking about? And, and so it has three different fragrances so that, so be, because we can get tired of the same fragrance and not smell it anymore, right? And so every once in a while that fragrance switches and that way these three things keep the house always filled with that fragrance. Amen? Worship, devotion, and prayer. 
Worship, devotion, and prayer. That's your, that's your plug-in for your life. That's the plug-in for your house. That is, listen man, when you get tired of worshiping, then pray. If you get tired of praying, then study. If you get tired of studying, worship. And you get tired of worship, then study some more. If you get tired of studying, then pray. Man, and, and man, things will change up in your house. You will get the stink out of your house. Amen? If you want to change, if you want to change the atmosphere, man, change the fragrance someplace. Just do what you could, when you could, and let Jesus say, leave him alone. It was a beautiful thing for me. It's a beautiful thing that they did to me. Let's get back to chapter 11. Verse 3, it says, so the sisters, Lazarus was sick, and so the sisters sent word for Jesus. And, and listen to the message that they sent. Listen to the prayer. They, they said, Lord... <coughs> The one, sorry, Lord, the one you love is sick. That's all. We're not told anything else that's in the letter. We're not told anything else. It was a little message that says, Lord, the one you love is sick. Now, I want you to note the confidence and faith in that little message. That kind of struck me. The, the sisters are sending to Jesus a message, and all they write is, the one you love is sick. Nothing else is written for us to read. Do any of our prayers sound so simple? Sometimes we get professional prayers, don't we? Or we at least try to make them sound professional. I know a lot of people don't like to pray in church because they say, well, I can't pray like that one, or I can't pray like this one. And like, like what, like how? He's professional and you're not professional? Like, you, you understand, we have this weird thing about, well, not me, no, you pray, I can't pray, no, you pray. No, you pray, I don't pray, no, you pray. Come on, let's get in a hug. All right, you pray. No, I'm not going to pray. You pray. Come on, pray to thank, pray, you know, thank God for the food. No, okay, you pray. No, no, I don't want to pray. You pray. Right? And, well, you know, we get this thing about praying, but listen, but listen. Listen to the simple prayer. Here's Mary, and, and she sends this prayer. The sisters send this prayer, and it says, hey, you love him? The one you love is sick. And it's so simple. It says, you love him, and he's sick. Can anybody use a prayer that's so simple, so confident, so intimate? Lord, the one you love is not feeling well. Lord, the one you love is broke. Come on. Lord, um, the one you love is unemployed right now, God. That's a simple prayer. Lord, the one you love is having some trouble in his marriage. Lord, the one you love is, is, is walling out. Lord, the one you love is falling. Lord, the one you love is not feeling good. What an awesome message to send to God. What a simple, simple prayer. Let's see if it works. Verse 4. When Jesus heard this, he said, This sickness will not end in death. See, back then when you got sick, you were going to die. It wasn't like us. You know, we get sick and, 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 and we act a, act a fool for three weeks with antibiotics, with all kinds of... Back then, you didn't say you were sick until you were sick. Right? And when you were sick, it was, that means you were, you were on your deathbed. And so, hey, you know, they, you, you were sick and you were going to die. And so he says, this sickness is not going to end in death. Jesus says, it is for God's glory so that the Son may be glorified through it. What can we take from that? When we pray in faith, God hears and He answers. Even when we don't get it. Did you catch that? We don't know if Mary heard that answer. We don't know if he wrote that back and sent it. All we know is Jesus said, 
this sickness will not end in death. So even when we don't hear it, God hears and he answers. Verse 5, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, yet even when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed there two more days. Somebody say that's foul. How many of you want your husband to wait two days before you call him for something? Right? The other day my, well, kind of a funny story, I'll tell you, it's not real serious. The other day my wife was screaming at me, calling me, George, come here, come here. George, come here, come here. She's calling me. And so, you know, I was playing video games with my daughter, so I had to drop it in and go. Because, you know, when your wife, you don't want to wait two days when your wife is calling you, amen? It turns out there was a squirrel in the window. He was trying to get in, and it was a whole, it was funny. But the point is, you don't want to wait, right? You don't want, and so here it says, Jesus waited two days before he left. But, but let's understand some things. Because God's delays are not his denials. Somebody say amen. Now, it probably took, let's figure it out, it probably took a day's travel to get the message to him, and so it would take another day's travel for him to get, the last, to, get to Lazarus, and so it says he stayed two more days, but when he got there, Lazarus had already been dead four days. So it doesn't take real complicated math to know that even if he had gone back earlier, it would not have made a difference, Lazarus would have already been dead. You get it? He would have already been dead. But Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. So either Jesus is tripping or he knows something that we don't know. How many of you know he knows things that we don't know? God's delays are not his denials. Some of us have been mad at God because he hasn't done things the way we told him to do it. Can I, can I let you in on some theological secret? God does not work for you. Sorry. God is not a genie in a bottle that if you rub the right way, he'll do what you tell him to do. God is not Christina Aguilera. See, the, 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 the sheep, get the sheep and the shepherd picture again. The sheep could tell the shepherd, listen, I believe there's good pasture over on the other side of that desert, but the sheep has no clue what he would be walking into. He has no clue what would happen if he went over there and put his head down to eat. The shepherd knows better than the sheep. Tell somebody, the shepherd knows better. Now come on, believe it, the shepherd knows better. See, the sheep see things from this height. And the shepherd sees things from up here. Come on, that was good. The sheep see things from this level, right? But the shepherd sees things from up here. Stop fighting and telling God you see things better and because you see things from your height and he sees things from his. Amen? He sees things from his from his height. Can you can you you have to imagine he would see things better than we do. Amen? So those of you that have been mad at God because the boy didn't love you or the girl didn't love you or this one didn't, come on man. God sees better. He knew what was coming down the line. Say amen. 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 Thank God.
God you didn't answer that prayer. See, in this particular story, his waiting makes a difference. Let me tell you why. By waiting longer, he demonstrated it that it was not just some resuscitation. He didn't get there when, when you know, Lazarus was just passed out. And, and they could have said, well, he was never dead. You know, he just, he, he passed out and, and, and Jesus resuscitated him. If, if he had been there when he died, you understand? Because see, the Jews had a notion that it was possible. The Jews had this belief that a soul stuck around for three days around the body waiting to come back in. Did you know that? And they, they had a belief that, that the soul lingered for three days waiting to come back in. So if Jesus had come back in the three days and brought him back, they would have said it was just a resuscitation. But see, after the fourth day, the body stinks. Oh, come on. After the fourth day, there's already decomposition happening. Amen? After the fourth day, Mary said, it stinketh. By now, it stinketh. So after the fourth day, there was no, the Jews believed there was no way the soul was coming back. That dude is dead. Amen? They said, this man is dead. So he waited until the fourth day so that no one can claim it was some near-death experience. This man was dead. And when they told him to roll away the stone, Mary said, But Lord, by now it stinks. Come up, Gary. She says, by, she says, perhaps if you had been here when I called you. Anybody said that prayer before? God, perhaps if you would have done things the way I told you to. God, perhaps, man, it, it wouldn't be like this if you had come when I called you. If you had answered my prayer when I prayed. Anybody been there? Come on, I've prayed that prayer out of ignorance, out of, out of, out of my humility, out of, out of insecurity, out of immaturity. God, if you had done things my way, it would be different but by now. But God, now my situation really stinks. If the Lord is our shepherd, we need to trust that he guides, that he knows, that he protects. And despite disappointment, listen, somebody need to hear this today. Despite disappointment, despite denial, and despite delay, we need to continue on doing what we can, when we can, and believe that it's going to be a beautiful thing. Somebody say amen. Most of you know the rest of the story. He calls out to Lazarus. Lazarus comes alive. See, God speaks to dead things as if they were alive. We're going we're gonna to, in closing right now, we're going to speak to some dead things. We're gonna, I told you in the beginning, we're going to speak to your destiny today. Come on, Gary. You see, this story is about Lazarus who physically died. And everybody thought it was too late. They thought the game was over. They were weeping when Jesus came. Everybody was hopeless. They thought it was all done with until he went to that tomb and he said, Lazarus, come forth. And after four days in the tomb, he came forth. And for some of you, maybe you're not physically dead. But there are things in your life that have died, 
There are some of you, there are things in your marriage that have died. It's already the fourth day you've given up hope. Come on, come on. The Lord was showing me today, there are some of you, you you've been through a through a broken relationship you've been through or you've been through a broken marriage and it's as if death has permeated your life things aren't the same anymore what what we want to do today we want to break that spirit of death off of your relationship off of your mind some of you you've become dead desolate in your emotions you've been so hurt and wounded some, some of you, life has just battered you. Some of you have been abused, and, you're, and you don't even feel anymore. You can't feel the joy. Everybody's worshiping, and you're looking around, and you can't feel it. And for some of you, it's because something died in you. Through the brokenness, through the hardness of life. And more than anything else, some of you, you used to have big dreams. Some of you, you, you dreamed of having a ministry. Some of you dreamed of having a big business someday. Some of you dreamed about getting married and having a family. And for some of you, because of the way that life's gone, those dreams have died. Well, we want to speak resurrection over your dreams again, over your emotions, over yes, your Lord. life. Yes, Come on. It's Come time on. to arrive. You see, in the Old Testament, this is what God said. He went before the Israelites and he said, I set before you today life and death. Yes. See, you got a choice. Yes. You, you can leave today in the same junk the same brokenness, you can carry that same spirit of death home with you. Or you can choose life. Yes. If that's you, I want you to say that with me. I choose life. Come on. I choose life. I choose life. You're, you're going to live in a new way. Your marriage is going to be restored. Your emotions are going to be healed. Those dreams are going to live again. You're going to go back to college and you're going to succeed. You're going to, you're going to start that business. For some of you, you've been out of work for a long time. You've given up. And I speak restoration. I speak life, life, life in Jesus' name. I'm going to ask you to stand right now in the presence of God. You see, there was one thing about Lazarus. When he came out of the tomb, guess what? He still stunk. He was covered with grave clothes. And some of you today, you're covered with those grave That's clothes. Right. That's right. Which symbolically means... That you're dead inside. Come on, come on. Something inside you died with that relationship. Something inside of you died with that dream. Well, we want to pray for you. So I'm, I'm going to pray right now a general prayer. Yes, yes. So, Father, I thank you, Lord God, for your people today, Lord God. And I break the power of death over your life 
And I decree over you that you shall live and not die. You will live and not die. Your marriage will live and not die. Your emotions will live and not die. Your finances will live and not die. You see, there's life in the vine. He's alive. He came back from the dead and he brought new life. There is no more death. He paid the price as we heard this morning. The price of death has been paid and everything that God has promised you, it is life. I just impart the very life of God into you. In Jesus' name. Father, I thank you for restored marriages. I thank you, Lord God, for healed emotions, healed minds, in Jesus' name. I release destinies right now, in Jesus' name. I release successful businesses, successful careers, in Jesus' name. You are not a loser. Your dreams are not dead. been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live. It's Christ who lives in me. And he's alive in you. And he's living out his purposes in your life. So Father, I thank you, Lord God, for new life. I thank you for those today, Lord God, who are going to leave with hope. Hope in their hearts, Lord God. In Jesus' name, worship. I'm going to ask you to come forth. If you, if you need prayer over that broken relationship, if you need prayer over your marriage, over your mind, over your emotion, those of you, you know that, that you had a dream, a business, a ministry, a whatever it is, but we want to speak life into it today. going to call you forth if that's you. We want to pray for you today. We want to speak life over you. You're not going to leave here the same way you came in. See, revival starts in here in your heart. It's not just about revival in a church with people falling on the floor. Revival starts in you. It's about making a determination right here and right now that you're going to live, that your dreams are going to live, that your destiny is going to live. And there's some others of you today. You heard the story about Mary. She took everything that she had, the best of what she had, and she poured it out on Jesus. Some of you today, you're ready to enter that new level of worship. Just as we worship, you're saying, I'm going to pour it all out on Jesus. I'm going to ask you to come up also as we worship. And I'm going to call forth those in leadership, those in the prophetic team, the ministry team. I, I want every one of these people up here, I want you to go to them. Look them in the eye and speak life over everything.
Welcome home to the sanctuary, a place of rest for the broken and weary, where you can let go, cause you're fully known by forever, Daddy. Oh, how we love you so. Thank you for supporting the Sanctuary Fellowship. We are a new and growing church with a passion and a heart towards enjoying God, serving people, and building healthy families. We pray that you will continue to fellowship and grow with us as we follow hard after God. Don't forget to visit us on the web at www.sanctuaryfellowship.org. God bless. Just so we may know that he loves us.